0: It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it.
1: This is the hour of doom. And bloom. That's right, friends and neighbors. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Podcast. A fortress of fortitude in an unfortunate world. I'm Joel M.D., that old Dr. Bones, and I mean old, and I am the founder of DoomAndBloom.net a survival medicine website with over 1,300 articles, podcasts, and videos on medical preparedness.
0: And I'm Amy Alton. I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife, and I'm also known as Nurse Amy.
1: That's right, and she's the hostess with the mostest, the purveyor of quality medical kits over at her store at store.doomandbloom.net. And she's so hot, she still can't build a snowman down here.
0: (laughs) Well, we're in South Florida, so it's not really possible anyway.
1: <laughs> well, that may be a factor, but she's pretty hot. Now, what you're watching We here... have
0: hot, <laughs> this thing keeps your coffee super hot. Yes,
1: Yeti, it's called Yeti, which yeah, is funny because it's the same name as our microphone.
0: That's true, but it's not the same company, I don't That's, think. I don't think so either. I don't
1: think so. What you're watching here is an experiment. We're going to see if this video podcast is going to cure my Alzheimer's disease, otherwise known as Timers <laughs> disease. <laughs> I am losing brain cells at an alarming rate. Me too. No, it's okay. not no, you. you. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, no, we walk into rooms and we're like, why didn't we walk in here? <laughs>
1: Uh, I have done that many times.
0: How many times today have we done it though? Already
1: once I've done it. I will do it. I more did it once today, than, today eh? too. <laughs> I did too. So this is a drastic measure. So we're going to see if it cures me. you are going to give it a try. <laughs> I should let you know that this is a clinical trial. Our first video podcast was there. It was meant to be an experiment to determine if being exposed to us. And our videos is lethal and it turns out it is not lethal to actually watch lethal? our videos. That's right. This is I hope now not. Oh this is goodness. now our second trial or second podcast where we're gonna try to find out is if exposure to us makes you nauseous. And so hopefully How about, it
0: turns on our printer.
1: It turns who is printing something?
0: <laughs> I, nobody. I nobody pushed anything. <laughs> Our printer is printing randomly. Okay. <laughs> and
1: might oh, be you know message. what it's
0: printing? It's it's printing um, the information for the show. Oh, okay. So I'm going to go get that while you talk. All right. <laughs> be right back.
1: Even though this is a new video podcast, we have been on YouTube at the DR Bones the Nurse Amy channel for quite a long time. I hope you'll subscribe. Also, we are on... Where are we at? We're on Facebook
0: we were on Parlor, but there is no more parlor.
1: I know. That is pretty crazy. We're on MeWe. We're on Miwi. We MeWe. Uh, our group is called Survival Medicine on MeWe. And you uh, don't
0: have to do capitals. What you have to do when you search on MeWe, search in it, and then your first results will give you members. So what you have to do is look over to the left side... And go down and click on groups because the first results is members and obviously there's no one named survival medicine. So go to the second search, which will say groups. When you push on that, survival medicine will be the first results.
1: So feel free to join our group there. We also have a group at preppernet.net. That is uh, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, it's called. And uh, that's a great place to ask questions, and we support the folks of Perpernet. It's Forest really Garden. growing. Yeah, and it is and it is growing. really growing a lot. A lot, lot of yeah. different groups, and especially in North Carolina, but all over the country. Super nice people yeah, too. Really, really good people too. Uh, you can find our audio podcast at BlogTalkRadio.com.
0: That one has ten years, over ten years. Yes,
1: ago. and of course our website at Bloom and Doom. Bloom oh, Doom and Oh my God. <laughs> you
0: know what? We want to emphasize the bloom. Yes. So maybe we should change it to bloom and bloom. Bloom,
1: bloom and bloom.
0: Bloom and bloom. Or
1: boom and bloom. <laughs> well, we're actually have more here... more hot
0: coffee here. Burn my lips.
1: This is actually a show that's going to talk about survival medicine. So you're going to get more than just the conventional medical wisdom from us. You're going to get a lot sure. of unconventional medical wisdom, especially on today's show. So whatever it takes to make you medically prepared, that is our mission. So we are actively licensed medical professionals. We'd like to keep our licenses, so you have to listen to this. To
0: this disclaimer. All information and opinions voiced on the Survival Medicine Podcast are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. We strongly urge our audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. Please.
1: That's right. Hey, you know, it's 2021, and over the last year, we've seen... The most productive producer of fish antibiotics, something that I've written about for many, many years, actually stopped manufacturing their products. That was Thomas Labs, and this is all probably related to pressure from the FDA, which has stated that they are increasing their stewardship of animal medications and other veterinary equivalents in the future, and they have already started doing that. This, they say, is because of antibiotic resistance issues. And sure enough, there are a lot of issues with antibiotic resistance, and we have to definitely deal with that. By the way, 80% of antibiotics are not actually given to humans, but are given to food-producing livestock. And the funny thing is that it's not Mm -hmm. given to them because they got an infection and they needed an antibiotic. It's given to them because, for some reason, antibiotics... If given the food producing livestock makes them grow faster yep. and get to market sooner. Yep. And there are countries that don't allow that. And I hope that we, like Denmark, and I hope that we at one point or another stop giving antibiotics to our food producing livestock just to get them to right. as a, make routine a buck faster. Is the,
0: pro- the problem is they're being given this on a routine basis. They're not being given it because they're ill. They're just being given these antibiotics on a routine basis. So they're cutting back on that practice, hopefully. Uh, So we'll start seeing a lot less antibiotic meat in our system and fish too. But I also want to add something about Thomas Labs. Uh, I did find out from uh, fishmocksfishflex.com wrote to us and he said that the state where they have their manufacturing or their bottling company, I should say, not manufacturing, told them they weren't allowed to be bottling these antibiotics. All right. So and they uh, got pressure, like you said, down the line, you know, from the FDA yeah. to the state to them to not bottle it.
1: I knew it was political pressure. And a lot yep. of that, besides just antibiotic resistance in general, is reports of people using these veterinary medications in normal times. And everything that we write about is meant for long-term survival scenarios when you're off the grid as a result of some terrible thing that's happened.
0: When people like us aren't around. That's right. Right? You know, the doctors and the nurses and the nurse practitioners, because I can write prescriptions, are not around to evaluate you in the system that you're used to. You know, we'll be off grid. So we really want to emphasize that these things that we talk about are not for right now
1: antibiotics are not candy they're basically something that must be used judiciously and they should be used under the supervision of a qualified medical professional if there is one around right there's not a functioning medical system or infrastructure because of some long-term disaster and that's what we write about
0: what are you going to do then you know that's right either learn how to use them properly when you have to or people will die
1: So you can save a lot of lives, possibly two, if you were the medic in a long-term off-grid situation by getting a copy of our books, uh, the antibiotic book called Alton's Antibiotics and Infectious Disease, our survival medicine handbook. It talks about antibiotics, all the different types, and you don't have to buy our books to actually get this information. It's absolutely free on dozens of articles at doomandbloom.net. Since these are no longer available, at least from this particular company, we're going to talk about where you go from here if you want to have some of these in a you-know-what-hits-the-fan situation. Right. Everybody who might be the end of the line medically really needs to have something that's going to be able to take care of infections. I mean, I'm talking about situations where the ambulance is heading in the other direction, the rescue helicopter is not on the horizon. And if you can't imagine something like that happening, well, neither can almost everyone else. That's the thing. But it could definitely happen. It could happen anytime, yep. anywhere. If the death rate from COVID was 10% instead of less than 1%, it probably would have happened already.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: That's actually a pretty interesting question. What do you think out there would have been that the percentage too death scary. rate? scary. What's the percentage death rate do you think out there would have caused our modern medical system to collapse?
0: I'm going to say it, it's definitely not 10%. I think it's closer to probably 5 Really? Yeah. Um, only because if you think about the hospitalization rates, at 5%, our hospitals would have been overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And what happens is it's, it would have just sort of fallen in on itself because as the nurses and the doctors who originally weren't sick become sick and it spreads, thankfully most of them who did become sick, didn't pass, but 5% of them are now also the patients. And so now you have less ICU and doctors and nurses. I mean, we're, you can have a labor room nurse, but she might not do real well in the ICU taking care of a COVID patient. Right. So then you've got to cross train all the, these people. That exposes even more people to the disease. Even more people get sick, overload the hospital even more to eventually... It just can't sustain itself. There's not enough healthcare workers to take care of the number of patients or even the number of beds or ventilators. I mean, what we're seeing in, I think it's Brazil in some mm. of these towns, particularly one of them was, began with an M. I can't remember. Maneos. Maneos.
1: Or I may not be They right.
0: had a meltdown. They literally had a meltdown. The hospitals became mm. overwhelmed. They couldn't accept anymore. They ran out of oxygen. If you can imagine, a hospital with people who ha- need respiratory help ran out of oxygen, and you can look it up. There are horror stories out there of nurses and doctors watching patients just die, and there's nothing they can do.
1: You have to have a, a system to deal with the dead bodies, too. Right. And you have to have personnel to deal with that. Things that right. we don't have here, right? obviously, you would have to, you would have to actually put something like that together at a time when there were a lot of people sick and it just it right. just would pile so up so my feeling
0: really my feeling is it, it probably only needed to be five percent it happened with five percent of our nurses and doctors who were already becoming overwhelmed i mean it just you know you have too many patients and not enough medical staff so that that leaves people outside mm-hmm. i mean that that leaves them in the parking lot or you know just take them back home There's nothing we can do. We don't have a place to put them. We don't have a ventilator. We don't have oxygen. We don't have anyone to look at your your loved one whatsoever. I I do think it only needed to be about 5%. Knock on wood, as bad as COVID has been, and we're certainly not going to say that it hasn't been terrible for a lot of people, it could have been possibly worse. If this thing mutates, we talked about mutation last show, but if this thing mutates into something, not only more highly contagious, cause it's already done that, mutates into something that's more deadly and we get a three to 5%, we get close to there. This is a disaster beyond what anyone can possibly imagine.
1: So about a decade ago, I was the first physician to write about the storing of these fish antibiotics and bird antibiotics and using them as a tool for the medic in long-term survival situations. I believe that then. I believe that now, even though the supply of them is no longer from the same distributor, we're going to have to figure out a way mm-hmm. that you can still have some of these on hand in case of infections in a prolonged situation. This only matters if you believe that there is something that may come down the pike. It's a major, huge disaster that could possibly occur. And or
0: a completely different virus.
1: Right Or a completely
0: different bacteria that we've we've never dealt with. The, right. the problem for the human population is that these things that are happening are different than what we've ever experienced before. That's true. When we have viruses that are similar to things we've been exposed to before, we have some immunity, some form or, or level of immunity.
1: That's called antigenic drift.
0: The problem for humankind is when we have... An exposure to a virus or a bacteria, which can be lethal, obviously, if it just gives you a cold, who cares, but, you know, has some lethality that we've never had exposure to, nothing similar to it at all, and then it starts going through the population.
1: Or a previous virus that has shifted so significantly much, because right. of mutations. That's called antigenic shift.
0: So then it's not a cousin anymore, it's... Uh, Sixth cousin. Distant, distant relative. <laughs> Sixth cousin. If you can imagine all yeah. of those generations, if anyone's done their ancestry. So yeah, so we're lucky that the virus that we're getting exposed to now, if it does change, hopefully it won't change very much, even though it's more contagious, hopefully COVID will not become more deadly. That's that's our hope.
1: Viruses, in my opinion, are going to be the pandemics of the future. Yeah. Okay. And the problem is, is that when we lose a modern, advanced medical infrastructure. If something like that happens, then bacteria are going to come back. There, there used to be malaria epidemics in places like Savannah, and New Orleans, and yellow fever things, uh, things that you would expect in third world countries. Used to be not that uncommon right, they were in the eighteenth in the eighteenth and nineteenth century in in North America, in the United right. States. So, so these are things that can happen, and you may not be able to control the death rate from a brand new virus, but dying from bacterial infections that we've been exposed to before, that we've known about for hundreds of years, just because we have been knocked off the grid, that's unacceptable yes. because we have antibiotics. We have the possibility of getting Restore antibiotics. store them. That's right. Preppers. Okay, so you, right, so you <laughs> Be are- Be
0: prepared.
1: So you're the medic. You're the medic. So accumulating over-the-counter drugs, okay, that's easy but yeah. prescription medicines not so even if you had a sympathetic doctor it would be difficult for you to be able to get more than just a small amount of medication certainly not enough to be the caregiver for a survival community you know off the grid in, in times of trouble
0: can i give them the little spiel about how you can get a little extra from your prescriptions oh okay yeah so um you have prescriptions and there is a time when you can go get them refilled that your um, pharmacy will allow you to then have it billed to your insurance company. That is not always known. Ask your pharmacist, when can I come back? Because it is not on the 28th or 30th day. It is before then. So if it's at the 21st day, you go get the new prescription. Take those seven that you've just saved, because now you've got a whole new bottle. Go ahead and take those seven, because those are going to be the oldest, then after you've taken those seven, then you broke open the new bottle. When you have taken now two weeks of that new bottle, because you already had a week from the previous bottle, that's another 21 days. You can go get the third bottle. But when you get the third bottle, you will have only taken 14 of that second bottle. So we're going to call it 28 days. So you've got another 14 before you even break into the third bottle, if you can imagine doing that every twenty-one days, because that's when your insurance allows you to go back and get a refill, you're going to start accumulating in the future bottles that you haven't even opened up yet.
1: Not only includes antibiotics, but it includes blood pressure medicine, just about any. Yeah, other, yeah, other cholesterol
0: kind. medicine. You
1: know, just about any other diabetes
0: kind of metformin. Mm. Sure, absolutely. Right.
1: So I want to just say that there's going to be a larger incidence of infection when people have to fend for themselves. I think that this is mm. pretty clear that it's been a while since you've had to blaze a trail through the jungle.
0: Are you or, waving around a I'm waving
1: around a machete, or had to. Oh, chop, that
0: one's really sharp.
1: Chop wood for fuel. Kidding.
0: I'm gonna, then I'm going to have to show them how to stop hemorrhaging.
1: Kidding. Yes, that's. That's
0: right. for another show soon. <laughs>
1: So, for city folk, suburban folk, who don't do this on a daily basis, maybe you do do that out out there on a daily basis, but for folks that don't do that, well, especially if you do it without hand protection,
0: mm-hmm. you're
1: going to wind up having injuries. Injuries that you, as medic, are going to have to deal with. And those injuries can indeed become infected.
0: Infected. infected. I should
1: mention, I guess, what a wound infection looks like. A wound infection usually takes the form of redness heat and swelling so those are the things that you'll see it takes a day or two really to show up which is why some doctors will wait a a couple of days for an open wound to manifest whether it's going to turn out to have an infection or not and they won't close the wound right away they do what they call delayed closure if there's no redness or swelling after a couple of days then they'll close the wound that is a delayed closure. We've talked about that on, on previous shows.
0: I just want to mention a couple other ways you can get injured easily. Uh, kitchen injuries. I mean, and that's today. So when we do talk about the, the bleeding, how to stop bleeding, we show you guys all of the techniques for that. That's going to be used today, or even car accidents you come upon. But in addition to chopping wood, I think of the daily meals that are going to have to be made. Uh, all the injuries that are going to happen sure, between burns, burns and, and like that. right, yeah. and then butchering animals. Think about that, and just so many things that we're going to be doing outside that I pretty much think I'll cut myself every day. <laughs> I can't. I do that in the kitchen anyway by accident. <laughs> in modern times, that's right. So.
1: So redness, swelling uh, yep. as a swelling gets worse, it start, the skin starts looking shiny, it looks red. it'll be warm to the touch. It'll, if you have a, an injury on your arm one arm, let's say if you feel the other arm, you can you know that the, the red area uh, on the injur- near the injury or in the injury is going to be significantly warmer. These are things that you're going to see happen. And as an infection gets worse, this kind of infection, which is often called cellulitis, a soft tissue infection, gets worse it often travels towards the torso and that's why it's a good idea to take a uh, felt tip pen (laughs) and make a mark of the borders of the redness and sort of follow that and as time goes on it's either going to get bigger if if the infection is getting worse or it'll get smaller and go away as as the infection gets better right so these are things that that are important for you to know and you should be able, if you're going to be the medic, be able to recognize a wound infection. I think everybody should anyhow. Now, yeah. yeah, if you had antibiotics, you could treat an obviously dirty wound uh, at an early stage or an infection at an early stage and improve the chances that the healing will occur rapidly and com- occur completely. Yep. Now, there are a lot of rugged folk out there that were likely to tough it out and say, well, I can get over this and indeed sometimes they will, but doing that just really gives time for the infection to get worse and eventually spread to your blood. If that happens, the end result is not good. So don't ignore the signs of
0: infection just because you're a tough person. That's right. The infection doesn't care how tough you are.
1: Bottom line, if you have access to some antibiotics, that problem can be nipped in the bud before a tragic outcome occurs recommending alternative sources of antibiotics is pretty contrary to standard medical advice, and so it's only appropriate when help is not on the way. I've said that four times already, and I'm going to say...
0: And my disclaimer, <laughs> and, and I said go, it too. A million
1: times. Now, you can get small quantities of antibiotics if you're willing to tell the doctor that you're going out of the country and would like to avoid things like traveler's diarrhea. You might not know, by the way, that some forms of traveler's diarrhea are actually treated and pre- or prevented with something called bismuth subsalicylate
0: pepto-bismol here let me hold that
1: pepto-bismol so you can Van- talk white and um <laughs> and pepto-bismol indeed has been used to prevent traveler's diarrhea if uh here. if you take the equivalent of two tablets four times a day that and while you're on a trip to a at-risk country for that kind of thing it can decrease the incidence by up to 60 percent so it might be too it sounds too good to be true and in a sense it is because people who Take that amount of Pepto for any significant length of time, probably get pretty bad constipation, to be honest. But indeed, oh yeah, that's something that that's, would make sense. That's another over-the-counter option to prevent that particular problem. I should say uh, also that uh, you can get Tamiflu or maybe the newer one-day influenza drug Zofluza. Now these are antivirals that work only against influenza, but at the beginning of every flu season, if you ask your doctor for a prescription for for you and members of your family, then usually they really don't have too much trouble with it. And the reason why is because you have to use that stuff within 48 hours of getting the first symptom. Real quick. Not everybody can get in to see their doctor within 48 hours. Right. And so for that reason, most doctors really aren't that troubled by giving you a prescription for that. The the only problem is, is that anybody who thinks it's going to cure COVID-19, that is... A mistake, it doesn't Doesn't do a darn thing for that. So that's something that's important. And of course, also, Mm. if we go back to antibiotics, remember antibiotics don't, or only work against bacteria, they don't work against viruses at all. Right. So a lot of these medicines are very, very specialized. Antibiotics are bacteria only, Tamiflu and Zofluza, only effective against the influenza virus.
0: Specifically. That's
1: right. Right. And there are other... Uh, medicines like acyclovir which is specific for herpes virus things like that there are antivirals that are specific for individual viruses viruses. that's right your family doctor might be good for one or two courses of therapy but you could need some kind of long-term alternative if you're going to be the survivor caregiver i mean Mm -hmm. if you're going to have enough antibiotics to prevent a family or survival group that's been knocked off the grid in the aftermath of a disaster you know some some right. deaths might be unavoidable. I mean, you might get exposed to radiation and you'll be toast, burnt toast. But um, well,
0: it depends on how close you are, though, honey. Not everyone will be burnt toast. That's
1: right. Not not everyone. We'll be Up doing wing. a show. We'll be doing Up a show wing, on not that. downwind. And we also have articles on that at DoomAndBloom.net. So you yes. can check that out. Absolutely free.
0: One of our four thousand topics that we're going to be yes. talking <laughs> about.
1: So so anyhow, we found a viable option in these fish and avian antibiotics and the reason why we came upon it and is that we're sort of a weird combination that we're actively licensed physicians and nurse practitioners but we're also fish hobbyists fish hobbyists as a matter of fact yes we're pretty good at it too as a matter of fact i don't know if you can see that you think you can see those those over there those are some of our ribbons that's that's just some of our ribbons from just
0: a few of them
1: (laughs) from from fish shows but Anyhow, for years, we used aquatic medicines on right. sick fish, right. uh, fin rot and things like that. Those are bacterial diseases in fish. Birds can get uh, bacterial infections. Actually, you can get chlamydia, believe it or not. And, and we have a parrot at home. So we decided to, since we had these medicines around we, and got interested in... and am
0: straightening your shirt. Thank you so
1: much. <laughs> and got interested in survival... We were looking at ways that we possibly could save some lives. And yeah. so, so we took a look at the, one of these medicines. This particular one was called Fishmox. And it was put together by Thomas Labs, distributed by Thomas Labs. And the thing that we saw here is that there was exactly one ingredient in it. And the ingredient was amoxicillin, 500 milligrams. 500 milligrams, interestingly enough, is the exact dosage you would give an adult human. And so that struck us as a little bit funny. These things are for fish, but they seem, to, a number of them seem to only come in human dosages. We looked at it, and nothing else on the bottle that made your scale shiny I mean, in terms of ingredients. Or... Yeah,
0: one ingredient.
1: The question is, is why should a guppy require the same dose of amoxicillin that a human adult would? The theory was is that you put this in the water and you know, it has to be a Dis- di- a dispersed, formula. Dispersed. Right. Dispersed into water. Right. But the problem Dilution. is a decade ago they didn't give you really instructions on how much to put in a fish bowl and how much to put in a two hundred gallon aquarium. Right. Now that's changed. Now those are very, very those instructions are very, very clear now. Yes. But in the past they weren't. They it, it was actually sorta of hard to find it. So we did the acid test and the acid test for this was to take this fish mox forte. And we compared it to human amoxicillin 500 milligrams. And so Fishmox Forte was a red and pink capsule with the numbers and letters WC-731 on it. And human amoxicillin made by Deva Pharmaceuticals was a red and pink capsule with the numbers and letters WC-731 on it. Same thing. Same so pill. Logically, it made sense. They were essentially no, identical. Not
0: essentially.
1: They are identical.
0: They are identical. Okay. And the reason we know this is because the FDA is very specific on colors and numbers for capsules and any pills that you take. Because if you find pills and you don't know what it is or where it came from... You have to be able to identify this, especially if someone had an overdose or let's say you went to grandma's house and she's just got a bowl of, of, of pills. Or if somebody has some reaction and maybe the, the bottle is gone, they need to know what was taken. So the FDA assigns or probably the manufacturer um, applies to have certain colors and certain letters and markings. These are specific to one drug. So what you just mentioned, the WC-731 with the red and pink capsule is only made by Deva Pharmaceuticals. That's it. Nobody else is allowed to have those colors and those letters and numbers on them. So each drug by each company is assigned colors and letters and numbers. That's what they're allowed to use. If they change their formula or some other company makes them, They have to change their colors and numbers because the FDA needs to know where and who manufactured and what it is. And that's the identification. So when you open any of these, you will be able to go on drugs.com.
1: Drugs.com, rxlist.com. Pills.com?
0: Is that one? Pills.com, I think. think, uh, Pills.com.
1: Uh, the physician's desk reference uh, is in digital form, right? Also, so a lot of different ones. And they'll so show you, you pictures of it. So you can prove this, this
0: you... to yourself.
1: Yes. The reason why we know this is because readers of ours that work in the pharmacy fields and veterinary fields actually confirmed it for they us. They know this. So
0: it's just a fact.
1: Now that's not to imply that all veterinary antibiotics meet the criteria. Right. Okay. Many cat, dog, livestock antibiotics. They contain additives that might cause ill effects on a human being. So you want to look only for those veterinary drugs that...
0: Single ingredient.
1: All right, single ingredient. Only only come in human dosages. Right. Only come in human dosages. And we're
0: only talking about antibiotics right now. There's a million different veterinarian medications out there. We are not vouching for every single medicine that you find in a vet pharmacy. That is not what we're doing. There is a big industry for horses, for dogs, for cats. Those people, those, those people raising those animals have sources, manufacturers, that specifically make medicines for their animal. That's not what we're talking about here. These fish antibiotics that we're talking about are sourced from the human antibiotic manufacturing companies. They're brought in and they are bottled and labeled. But these are human antibiotics.
1: Now you might say, well, they're not stored the same or they're not under the same recommendations for storage. And that, I think, is actually pretty silly because how? first off, how do you know what the actual recommendations are, and why would this and this antibiotic, human and pet antibiotic, be stored, especially if they're the same antibiotic, be stored in different conditions or recommended to be stored in different conditions so the pet medicines go bad sooner. That would make absolutely no sense. So you're supposed to store these things, whether they're human antibiotics or whether they're pet antibiotics, the same way. Cool, dry, dark conditions. That's right. That's why these are opaque bottles. There's been a lot of controversy about these medicines. Some people have chosen to use them in normal times against, again, our recommendations. And as a result, the original distributor of these drugs, Thomas Labs, had to stop production. But but other brands like FishAid, Aqua, and FishBiotic have at least, at the time that this video is being shot... Yeah have filled the void by offering a number of veterinary uh, equivalents online.
0: They obviously have applied to be able to do this.
1: So, Amy, why don't you show me what you have in your possession? I've
0: got them all around me. I'll do my little Vanna White thing. Okay. Um, Now, you're not really going to tell people how to take these. We're just uh, just showing them at this point what is available. That's right. So, you can have that in a future video. Again, one of our 4,000 topics.
1: Right. And we have it already <laughs> in our books and, and on our website that you can We have a search engine. You can look for it.
0: And also, you have actually made videos on many of these antibiotics already. Yes. So if you guys go back and look at our YouTube, I believe I have a playlist that says antibiotics. So go to that playlist and you'll be able to pick out the antibiotics that we've actually covered. And I... I think you may have one for just about every one I'm going to show you. So this is a doxycycline and I know it comes in 30 capsules, that's what we have, but I think you can also get it in 60 capsules. Is it 100 milligrams? It is 100 milligrams. Alright, so so
1: this no longer exists, Bird Biotic.
0: But this does. I'm going to bring it here because I think the focus is here. Uh, But this is called Fish Aid and that's the brand name. Then this one is the amoxicillin. This is also fish aid, And this one is, it's hard for me to see. This is, I think, 500 milligrams? 500. You have better eyes than I do. Yeah, this is 500. Okay, so now I have a bunch of cephalexin, which is Keflex. And this is Aquacef. So we've got two doses of the aquaceph. We have... Wait, hold on. You have two 250, versions. and oh. I think this is the 500. Right. So the 250 and 500, so you have a pediatric and an adult dose.
1: And Fish Aid has the 500.
0: Nope, it has both.
1: Oh, it has both. Oh, so yes. it has See? 250 and What happens doses.
0: when you try to be Vanna White?
1: <laughs> you are the much better at it. Okay. All right, so
0: this is the Cipro. We have, again, two doses. We have the 250 and the 500 in the Fish Aid. So that's the adult and the pediatric. And we have the 250 and the 500 in one that I don't think I've shown yeah, you saw it aqua Cipro. So what they did was they shortened the antibiotic name and they added aqua to it. So it'll be aqua cipro, Aqua cipro. Here you go. So they actually added part of the name of the antibiotic. Uh, this one is amoxicillin. So we have the fish aid in a is that 250?
1: It's 250, but also okay. 500. It comes in 500.
0: Oh, is that what you showed the first yep. time? Okay, so we had already shown that. And then the aqua mox, again, the shorter word for amoxicillin, this one is, I think the 500, right?
1: This is 500.
0: Okay, so this is the 500. So this one comes in the adult
1: dose. This is aqua mox forte. I actually used the the old Thomas Labs Name. terminology, for, forte. forte, to let you know that it's a 500.
0: Right, major. so it's double the pediatric dose. Uh, these are both penicillin by Fish Aid, and it says fish penicillin, fish penicillin. And one is 250 and one is 500. So you have the adult and the pediatric dose. Um, clindamycin by Fish Aid, we only have um, this brand here, and clindamycin is 150 milligram dosage. That,
1: That's that,
0: standard adult dose.
1: This is also known as. Cleosin or lincocin in human version
0: we have let's see which is this one this is by fish aid oh this is bactrim that's what this is well, these
1: are sulfa drugs and, right and bactrim or septra are common urinary tract infection medications and this is the the same thing as, essentially
0: for bladder infections i'll just mention that uh this is our azithromycin or aqua zithro and this is 250 milligrams. If you've ever taken a Z pack, that's what this is. And this is the same dose that's in that Z pack with six tablets. You take two on the first day, so you're doing a loading dose of 500. And then actually, there's um, seven tablets. And then four more days, you're taking one each. So two on the first day, and then four, one each day for four days. This is metronidazole. And we have...
1: Flagell. It's called fla- flagyl. 500.
0: And I think this should be the 250 50. for flagell. So we have fish aid. And then we have aquazole for metronidazole. They do the flagyl. aquazole. Flagell again. Right, flagell again. And this is the um, 250, I think. Is that the right. 250?
1: Uh-huh.
0: And it's so tiny. <laughs>
1: yep.
0: And then we have actually our non-antibiotic.
1: Oh yes, uh, fluconazole.
0: We have diflucan, right, for the yeast infection or the fungal infections. And
1: who makes that fish aid? Yep, fish aid. they call that fish fluconazole. So you see that there. This they're... is what's
0: possible as of today, um, January twenty. I don't know where are
1: you at the 23rd? twenty third. Yes, twenty twenty one.
0: 2021
1: <laughs> so so there are a lot of options mm-hmm. and but the thing is i want you to know number one that you shouldn't be using this at any time are you doing nor- another disclaimer yeah doing another <laughs> disclaimer don't use this any time other than should I count a them? long-term survival scenario that's, that's right six times we are gonna
0: beat this okay. into you that's right
1: and do lo-
0: not use them if there is a modern medical facility
1: <laughs> i don't expect these things to exist for much longer I think that there's going to be a lot of volatility in terms of availability yeah. of a number of these drugs, but there's another company called Biotics that I, I, I haven't been able to check out yet, but they also have some antibiotics too. I just think that these are going to be under increasing government control in the mm-hmm. future. This is something that you need to know that... These exist now, but I can't tell you if you're watching this video a year from now or two years from now right. that the same thing will exist. Now, of course, anyone can be allergic to any one of these antibiotics. It would be a rare person, however, would be allergic to all of them. Uh, and it should be noted that uh, some drugs are, are cross-reactive. Like, for example, if you take penicillin, you are also probably, probably have about a 10% chance of having a reaction to keflex or to cephalexin as a result if you are have a penicillin allergy you shouldn't be taking keflex or cephalexin but there are a number of other antibiotics that we showed you here doxycycline cipro metronidazole Metronidazole. clindamycin that are acceptable alternatives all of them have someone
0: with a penicillin allergy allergy. i'm sort of everybody
1: and some of each one of these is good or not good to use in pregnancy, depending on which one we have to research it. You know, on our website or in our books, some of these are specific. Have specific issues. Cipro, for example, can cause significant nerve or muscle injury in a very small percentage of patients. But it is something that can happen. Some of them can be used in kids. Some of them can't. And so these are things that you need to know. Uh, I want to just say this, that it's easy for me to make recommendations of these things. And you you probably think, you know, but I'll give you this one additional fact. I have actually used this stuff on my own person. And I can't say I've used every single one of these.
0: As tests for you guys. So, you know, we can actually say we've taken these things and
1: and And we've
0: looked them all up.
1: And they've worked as expected. So what about foreign pharmacies? You need prescriptions for Canadian pharmacies, but there are a bunch of Indian and other countries that have pharmacies online that you can get a lot of these drugs at. I don't have any experience with them, so I really can't tell you they're good, they're not good. I don't know if their standards are as good as ours. All I can say is that I believe that many of these medicines that we have here in aquatic form are indeed exactly identical to the human version. I can't say that necessarily for other countries pharmacies, it's very possible that they're just fine, but I don't know.
0: And also other animal medicines. There yes. are, there are manufacturers that make horse medicine has nothing to do with human. It might have some human ingredients and they've done special something special because of the horse's weight or something.
1: The dosage can't be the same. Obviously. Right, it is not going
0: to be the same, but often they could have other ingredients too. So right. there are manufacturers for dogs cats, pigs, cows, horses. Some of those animals do use some medicines that are made for us, but they also have their own manufacturers. So we cannot tell you something that's made for a horse is going to be just fine for a human. We don't know.
1: Now, other references that you can go to besides our books and and our website, of course, would be uh, online at drugs.com, rxlist.com, Number of other useful sources. Uh, we do recommend you have a hard copy of some of some manual that drug some drug manual, especially the ones that have pictures, because if you were on the road, and some disaster has occurred, and you're basically in a off the grid setting, an abandoned pharmacy may have medicines that. You could look up and right. see what they're good for. PDR, and, right? Exactly.
0: Physicians' Desk Reference. Right. Is they a they have a good digital.
1: One. That's a digital form, also. Find used, an
0: old one on eBay.
1: They used to have. They used <laughs> to have actual physical books. Now oh my they gosh, they were online. huge. Remember, they were like yes. this big. Like Two thousand. And every year
0: they would come out with a new yep. one. I can't imagine what it costs to print that. Imagine all those color pictures. Oh my Ooh.
1: god. It was crazy. Um, so if you're still skeptical about all this, I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all This is something that's way outside the conventional medical wisdom And we've spent an entire show telling you Something that we would never tell you to do at any other time Right. But, think of this A disaster has occurred It's knocked you off the grid Sent you on the road Your family is performing all sorts of activities To which they are not accustomed to Okay. You send your son off or your daughter off To chop some wood They injure themselves in two days, that injury starts becoming red. They start getting a fever. The inju- the redness and swelling starts to climb up their arm or, or up their leg. You have a bottle of fish amoxicillin. Are you going to use it? I'll I let will. you decide.
0: I will. I'm going to save your life.
1: Thank you. Because I, I love you. And I appreciate it. I love you too. <laughs> And that's all the time we have for this episode of the Survival Medicine Podcast. We hope it did not make you nauseous. That was clinical trial two. And (laughs) if it did, please let us know. (laughs) If you liked it, let us know too in the comments section below. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. We'll give it a try next time.
0: Thanks for watching. Bye-bye.